Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Well, hey, we are continuing on our series in Romans, but I want to kick off with a recap because Romans is heavy. Am I right? It's a big book, right? You know, it's written by one of the most influential leaders in the New Testament, Paul, who was formerly Saul. And you know, Paul in the la- or Tim in the last few weeks um, has been presenting Paul's arguments because Paul is acting like this prosecuting attorney that's going to defend the faith. So Tim and Michael have given us this dark, bleak backdrop of wrath and judgment what humanity should, should receive because of our sin and punishment. And he's used that example like the jeweler with the black backdrop. Well, today, I have the great honor and privilege to talk about that beautiful diamond, the brilliance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm kind of excited because I feel like you guys are gonna get the best news you could ever hear, and I get to share it today. That is something for me to be excited about. Um, So if you will, again, I just want to pause over God's word, pray over it. Um, So allow me to do that. Jesus, we love your word. God, speak to us today. Every person in this room, God, as you have spoken to me in the preparation for this message, Lord, I ask that you would draw us close to you so that we know you better and we, God, can walk with you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, so John Kronstadt was a 19th century Russian Orthodox priest. You know, he was a priest during this time of rampant alcohol abuse in the Russian culture. Now, a lot of priests, they closed up shop, they went hiding, they they didn't go out to the people, but John Kronstadt was known for his love for anyone hurting. And what John would do, he would go out into the streets and he would help those, those people that were hungover, that were in the gutter, that were foul-smelling and dirty. And this priest, compelled by love, was known to go cradle them, pick them up out of the gutter, and he would say to them, he would say, this is beneath your dignity. You were meant to house the fullness of God. I love that phrase, you were meant to house the fullness of God. Every person wandering this world is incomplete. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we have a desire to figure out how we were made, what our purpose is. Everyone, even here today, has a reason. You're on a faith journey in the same way that I am. Maybe you've experienced heartache or or trauma or death or loss. Maybe you've had the beauty of, of people that shared their faith with you at a young age, and you've had the privilege of seeing radical encounters with God throughout your life. Maybe you're someone who your intellect has led you here because you can't get past the fact that God is real and there's evidence all around you. But maybe you're someone who's even lived through some seasons of doubt, you've questioned things, or maybe you're here in this room and you're still on the fence. Central Christian Church is a safe place for you to explore the claims of Christ. So whatever you walked in here with today, my prayer is that you would embrace the claims of Christ as the leader and forgiver in your life. 
So today we're gonna answer that question. What does it mean that we can have righteousness through faith? The definition of righteousness and why it would matter is because ultimately it's like, so what, what does righteous mean? The definition is this, the quality of being morally right or justifiable. Because in our humanity, in this bleak backdrop, we know we're all missing something or need to work on something because that's how God created us. United States uh, chaplain Richard Halverson, he wrote this, the fact is the birth, crucifixion, and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ are celebrated worldwide by folk of every race, language, and color every year. And believing in Jesus, they have been delivered from the most evil, disastrous, frustrating, debilitating habits and life forms possible. The real problem with Jesus Christ is not that folk can't believe in him, but that they won't believe in him. So we have good news today, friends. God's righteousness has been revealed. So if you're taking notes, that's where we're kicking off. There's proof, and I love this. Paul, in his way, he wants to make this clear to the audience that's reading scripture, that there's proof that God had a plan and he sent Jesus Christ to save the world. So Romans 3, 21 kicks off this way. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. All right, well, what does that mean, right? The message says it this way. But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them. So how can you trust? How can you trust that God sent Jesus to save the world? I know many of us have friends who've asked questions, <laughs> doubting God, right? Doubting the, the reality of Jesus Christ. That sounds like a good fairy tale. It's not real. Well, I love this because Paul, when he's speaking to the Jewish audience, he's saying there's proof of the righteousness from God and that it's available. Paul is this ultimate apologetic, right? He wanted to give us reasoned arguments for the proof of Jesus so that we can trust in the plan that God had for the world. There's 351 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I'll say that again because that's a conservative number. 351 um, Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. There's 55 Old Testament prophecies that cover four specific areas. Jesus' birth, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death and resurrection, and Jesus' role in the church. Now, for time's sake, I'm not gonna unpack each of these scripture references, but maybe you wanna jot it down in your notes, snag a picture of it with your phone, because it could be great conversation to have with you and your kids or another friend, and it's great tools to have in your tool belt. In, these, in seasons of doubt, you can say, no, it was foretold that Jesus was coming. And again, the probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even eight such prophecies is one in 117 zeros. That's quadrillion. Who uses the word quadrillion? Nobody. Quadrillion, right? So that is such a cool fact, right? There's definitions for what, for what God had in store for us. There is proof and evidence to Jesus Christ. 
Jesus comes on his mission from God to set things right for humanity. Righteousness is revealed and is God's declaration to us that he was providing a solution. So then that leads to the question, well, how do we receive this righteousness? Well, righteousness is received. How do you receive it? Romans 3.22 says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. Well, who can receive it? Who can receive this gift? Romans 3, 22 through 23 says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all, for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul even specifically goes on to tell us exactly what to say and to do when we receive that righteousness from God in Jesus. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The only prerequisite is that you know you've sinned and you believe by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The gift that we receive through, through righteousness by faith is the gift of Jesus Christ. But I think today it's so important that we also acknowledge, well, what do we receive with that gift? Number one, we receive a new status. We're right with God and we're forgiven. Romans 3, 23 through 24 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. The Bible Project puts it this way. It says, Jesus became what we are, trapped and guilty so that we could become what he is. We receive the benefit of justification. That's like a $5,000 word, am I right? And the definition of justification is to declare right by faith. And Tim's gonna be continuing to unpack that in the weeks ahead. And I love this definition of grace because we're referencing this, that we are justified by his grace as a gift. Grace is defined by this, um, God's riches at Christ's expense. So the gift that we receive with Jesus is this new status. We're forgiven, we're made right. God's gift to us is his son, Jesus. And when we receive this gift of grace, it's as, Jesus, it's as if Jesus says, I will remove the heavy load from you and bury it at the foot of the cross. Be free. You know, John Piper, he talks a lot about the issue of guilt, and he acknowledges that there's three ways that contemporary people try to solve the problem of guilt. Anybody been guilty in here? Anybody feel ashamed? Can we be real? Is this, a, is this a safe place? Yep. We've all been there, right? So he acknowledges this, that people try to solve the problem of guilt with intellectual ways, physical ways, and religious ways. And maybe you can relate to processing guilt in one of those ways. For example, among the intellectual ways, there's the teaching that guilt is owing to unrealistic expectations. So lower your standards of virtue and you will have less guilt. Another approach is to say that our moral principles are dated and restrictive. Don't live in the ethical dark ages. You can solve your own problems of guilt. You do you. The old-fashioned physical ways still are pretty evident, right? For those of us who may not have enough brains to reason our way out of our guilt and shame, we may fall into old habits of alcohol, drugs, sex, 
pornography, social media, binging Netflix, hobbies, sports, numbing, numbing activities that help us not acknowledge our shame and guilt. But you know what? Jesus is precious because he removes our guilt. He removes it. And I'm not sure who, who needed to hear that today, but I hope that you receive that. So we receive the benefit of redemption and atonement. Romans 3, 24 says this, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The message says it this way, that God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it is now. It's the current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. You know, I love discount deals, Spiro. I do. True confession, I'm not bougie about it. If there's a coupon, I will have it. If there is an app that you need to use to redeem stars so you can get a Trenta Black Iced Tea from Starbucks, I'm gonna have the app. I, I'm all about it. Hey, you know, it is like a big win when I hit up the clearance aisle at any store. It's true, that's where I'm at. You know, and I think the gift of Jesus is trading up. We choose to believe and ask for forgiveness. In exchange, we're redeemed, right? Jesus is giving his life as the ultimate coupon, and it's because he loved us. So we don't have to pay because he paid it all. And we forget, we forget that beautiful gift of redemption that's so freely given to us at his sacrifice. Redemption is defined as an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or a mistake. Deliverance, rescue. Who has been delivered or who has been rescued? I hope if, we, if, if, if this church is anything, we're a group of people that say I've been rescued from a life a lot worse than what I had going for me. 1 John 2.2 says this, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, Romans 3, 25 says this, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through his faith in the blood. Hebrews 9, 12 goes on to say, he entered once for all in the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. You know, I once heard it said, at one mint. Okay, atonement is, is referencing the day um, when, when once a year the high priest would sacrifice um, a sheep or a goat to atone for the sins of all the people. And at one minute, it's this moment, the realization of when we become one with God by choosing to believe in him and the sacrifice that he made for us. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have a new status. We're forgiven and we're made right. We get a new family 
We're included in God's people. Everyone is included. The message says it best this way. So where does that leave our proud Jewish insider claims and counterclaims? Canceled, yes, it's canceled. What we've learned is this, that God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. And where does that leave our proud Jewish claim of having a corner of God? It's also canceled. God is the God of outsider non-Jews as well as insider Jews. How could it be otherwise since there's only one God? God sets right all who welcome his action and enter into it. Both those who follow our religious systems and those who have never heard of our religion. So everyone in the family has a role to play, a part to contribute. And Paul, as he's defending the faith, defending the actions of God in Jesus Christ, he's saying there is a place for you and he made a way. Jesus made a way. And here at Central, that's why you're always hearing us say that, that we want all of us to know God. That's why we're unpacking this book of Romans. We want us to grow in freedom. We want everybody to show their and change the world. And together we can do that. As the body of believers, Romans 12, 5 says this, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, each member belongs to the other. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Romans 8, 15 says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father here connotates this intimacy with the Lord. You know, yesterday, Elsie had a soccer game, which is funny in and of itself, but she is so fun and loves soccer, and she got hurt, and she's kind of other into the, the field, and she's yelling out, mommy, at the top of her lungs. But I kind of know that cry. It's one of those, like, she's just shocked and maybe uncomfortable, but she's not in a lot of pain, but she kind of got hurt. You know, she's kind of dramatic sometimes. <laughs> she gets it from her mom, whatever. <laughs> um, but so I hear her, and, and so she comes running over to me, mommy, mommy. Um, and this morning as I was praying over this message and thinking about this message, I think it's so beautiful that even in scripture, Paul acknowledges it when we have moments where we want to fall back into fear or of slavery, of temptation, that we can with full abandonment yell out to our father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And he hears us and he knows and he can comfort us and be with us in those times. He knows what we need as a loving father. He see it. He's in, he's in the game. So we've received this new status. We're forgiven and made right. We have a new family. We're included in God's people. And now our third point for today is we have a new future, a transformed life in Christ. Romans 3.31 says this, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Paul is closing out this portion of scripture by saying our lives continue to uphold what scripture says. The message says it this way, but by shifting our focus from what we do to what God does, don't we cancel out all of our careful keeping of the rules and ways God committed? Not at all. What happens in fact is that by putting the entire way of life in its proper place, we confirm it. 
We can, can we confirm that scripture is our guidebook to, a, to life. We confirm that the message and the information that's in here is here to help us. I love what J.D. Greer says. He says this, the law reveals God's character to us. And the first thing it does is function as a mirror that shows us how far short that we fall of his character and it drives us in desperation to God's grace. And then after we've received God's grace, the law functions as a guide showing us what a life pleasing to God looks like. And that should be that of a transformed life, should be a life that models Jesus. Romans 12, two says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I love how this Orthodox writer put it. He said this, the spiritual life is not a life of laws and precepts, but a life of participation, affection, and love, a life mingled and mixing with God. So in conclusion, Romans clearly gives us a road to the gift that is Jesus. Today we acknowledged how God revealed his righteousness to the world, how and who can receive the gift of Jesus. And when we step out in faith and we choose to believe and accept Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we receive so much more. And maybe today we need to, we need to be reminded of the more our new status, we're made right and forgiven, that we have a new family, we're included as God's people, that we have a new future, our life's transformed. You know, I love this story um, from our author and speaker, his name's Brennan Mannon. And it's an interesting story about how he earned his name Brennan. So uh, he grew up with a, his best friend, Ray. Ray was a neighborhood kid, lived next door. You know, they went to school together, elementary school, high school. Um, they bought a car together as teenagers. They double dated as teenagers. They, they were besties. You know, eventually they even enlisted in the army together and they went to boot camp and uh, they fought in the Korean War. Well, one night while sitting in a foxhole, Brennan was reminiscing about the good old days in Brooklyn when suddenly a live grenade came into the foxhole. Ray, who'd been listening intently and, and conversing with Brennan, was eating a chocolate bar. He dropped that chocolate bar, smiled at his friend Brennan, his best friend, and he dove on that live grenade. It exploded, killing Ray and sparing Brennan. So Brennan decided to pursue his life as a priest and uh, he had to take on the name of a saint. And so he, he chose his friend, Ray Brennan, and he took the name Brennan. Years later, he went to visit Ray, Ray's mother in Brooklyn and they were having tea one night and they were talking and Brennan worked up the courage and he said, you know what? Do you think Ray loved me? 
Miss Brennan, Ray's mom, got up off the couch. She shook her finger in Brennan's face and she said, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? Brennan said that at that moment, it was like an, an epiphany for him. He imagined himself standing before the cross of Jesus, wondering, does God really love me? And, and Jesus' mother pointing to her son saying, Jesus Christ, what more could he, could he have done for you? The cross of Jesus is God's way of doing all he could for us. And yet we often wonder, does God really love me? Am I important to God? Does God care about me? And Jesus' mother responds, what more? What more could he have done for you? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. God, you are speaking to people in this room right now. God, we thank you for the gift that is your son, Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that he did by giving up his life for us so that we could spend eternity with you because you loved us so much. You wanted to make right the relationship between the creator and the created God. And we thank you, Lord, for seeing us, for knowing our needs and loving us no matter what. God, I just take a moment as you're speaking to people here and you're saying, I love you. I see you. Release that guilt. Bury it at the foot of the cross. Live a transformed life. Embrace your new family. God, we love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.